You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. This Washington Post Live podcast is sponsored by Lidos. At Lidos, we believe today's complex health challenges call for revolutionary problem solving. From digital transformation to life sciences, Lidos makes the world safer, healthier, and more efficient. On November 6th, the Washington Post Live hosted Veterans in America, an event focusing on issues facing today's 18 million veterans. It's estimated that 20 veterans die by suicide every day in America, and only about six of them were recent users of Veterans Health Administration services. In this segment, two of Capitol Hill's most prominent advocates for veterans health care discuss their plan to improve access to mental health care. Let's listen. Good morning, I'm Libby Casey, the Politics and Accountability Anchor here at the Washington Post, and we'd like to begin today's program, Veterans in America, with two key senators on veterans issues uh, from Capitol Hill. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule. You have a hearing in uh, about an hour, so we're thrilled to have you here right now. Senator John, Jerry Moran of Kansas, of course, Republican, and Senator John Tester of Montana, a bipartisan issue. Both gentlemen have been advocating for veterans health care for years, and they have pending bipartisan legislation that we'll be talking about this morning. I invite our audience here in the room as well as those watching online to submit your questions to the senators. You can do that on Twitter by using the hashtag PostLive. So, gentlemen, as we just saw in the video, 20 veterans die by suicide each day in America. Uh, and the total number has gone up in four of the last five years. And that's despite more of a public recognition that this is uh, a, a mental health care crisis. So, Senator Moran, what's happening? Well. There are a lack of professionals uh, in mental health care uh, across the country, in the public and private sector, at the VA and outside. There's a tremendous challenge in states like Senator Tester's and mine, rural America, in which those professionals, if they do exist, they don't exist close to where often a veteran lives. Uh, and I think the reality is that the, the wars that we face and the things that we ask soldiers uh, military men and women to do. Uh, they are dangerous, they have consequences, uh, and those consequences include tremendous challenges. There's a lot of issues, I mean, scientifically, medically, that we need to explore. One of them that we've appropriated money is to determine the connection between over-medication and suicide. Is there one? Uh, and that's an issue that we face within the VA and outside the VA, over-medication. Over so we have science we need in medicine to help us figure out what to do, but we need a VA, a Department of Veterans Affairs, and uh, Americans across the country who are looking after, in every way possible, those who served our country and have returned home. I would say that a piece in this legislation that Senator Tester and I have, uh, have sponsored, one of the most important things we can do is take, pay attention to our military men and women as they depart active service and enter the veteran world. And so that transition between DOD and VA is a place that we ought to spend a lot of time because I think that is where we perhaps can make the most difference in regard to suicides that may occur months or years after that transition. Senator Tester. The statistics speak for themselves. Um, what we're doing right now uh, is not working to the level it needs to be working at. And uh, uh, Senator Moran is correct. Um, there's all sorts of reasons for it. Uh, one of the reasons that we were uh, brought forward the John Scott Hannon uh, mental health bill uh, is because 
I think that there's plenty of things we need to do uh, outside of what we're doing now. Um, and that's what this bill does, kind of thinks outside the box, um, uh, offers uh, alternate therapies like uh, therapies in agriculture and yoga and animal therapy. It, it offers to address part of the problem, and it's not going to be the whole solution, but direct hiring authority so the VA doesn't have to jump through a bunch of hoops to get mental health professionals on the ground. And I think that one of the things that, uh, and I'll, I'll speak for everybody on the committee and, and probably everybody in Congress, this is, this is a problem. Mental health is a problem throughout our country. Montana, for example, leads the nation, not veterans, everybody, in suicide. That's not a category you want to be the leader in. But it, there are so many things that we have to approach it from. I think the John Scott Hannon bill that Jerry and I have is a step, but it's certainly not the final step. And uh, we need to get more folks on the ground. We need to reduce the stigma. Uh, we need to make sure that, that uh, when folks need help and they get in crisis that they have a place to turn where there's either somebody on the other end of the phone or somebody in person they can go talk to. I want to talk about the rural question because that's something that you both want to address, but let's just talk about some numbers uh, first for another moment. Of those 20 suicide victims every day, only about six of them were recent users of the Veterans Health Administration services. Yeah, uh, Jerry, I don't know if you, look, it's outreach. We, we've, got, we've got to do a better job of letting folks know that this is a different VA than it was when the Vietnam veterans came back home. Uh, we've, we've got to let people know that, that this, this is a VA that's, that's going to work for them. And if it doesn't, then it's up to folks like Senator Moran and myself to hold them accountable to make sure it does. And, uh, you know, the budget for the VA has increased in the last 12 years exponentially. We've been at war for a long time. It makes sense that this happens. But the bottom line is the VA has to deliver, too. And we have, if they deliver, I think the word will get out. And we've got to do a better job in outreach. That's really the bottom line. Certainly what uh, John says is true. Uh, there are a lot of veterans who, uh, it, it surprises me on a regular basis, that don't know what they are eligible for, entitled to don't know how to apply, don't know who to go to. Uh, we have uh, veteran service organizations across the country who are helpful in that regard, but there are still many veterans who slip through the cracks. In addition, there are those who have been to the VA uh, and suicide still occurs. And so it's another aspect of this. We need to make certain that every tool is available and the VA is open and available in every instance for somebody who's crying out. And it's not just the VA. It is, uh, we, need, we need neighbors, family members. The, the community needs to be educated and trained and have care and compassion in a way that when there's a symptom, uh, there's a response that somebody is taking care of us. And it is, it's an example that uh, we can't go through life just on our own uh, if we're going to prevent uh, a neighbor, a family member, a friend uh, from committing from committing suicide. You're, you're nodding your head. The other thing I'd just like to add to that is that, um, you know, there's nothing to be ashamed of if, if you have depression or if you have mental health issues. Uh, the fact of the matter is the only thing you need to be ashamed of is you don't ask for help. And we need to get that message out that this is repairable just like a broken arm. And if we can get folks to understand that, that have the issues, and by the way, don't get penalized for it, whether in the military or out of the military, I think you'll get a lot more folks asking for help when they need it. Some other numbers that are important. The Washington Post had a story just yesterday noting there are 49,000 vacant positions at the VA. 96% of VA facilities report at least one severe occupational shortage. The Inspector General has, has pointed out that these shortages are a real problem and a root cause for many of the issues in veterans care. 
our, our legislation uh, does some, some things in that regard. Um, a shortage of professionals means that we can utilize telemedicine, telehealth, telemental health more. So with insufficient number of healthcare providers, we need to figure out how we utilize their services uh, better, more efficiently. But more importantly, there's, there are uh, educated and trained individuals that the VA doesn't, in my view, utilize sufficiently. Marriage and family uh, counselors, uh, licensed mental health professionals. Um, again, there's a shortage everywhere, uh, inside the VA, outside the VA, rural, urban. We need to use the other professions, additional professions that can, professionals that can help meet the needs. Our legislation requires the VA to utilize those additional uh, types of trained individuals, educated individuals uh, to be helpful. And those, those professions are, are asking for the opportunity to be a part of the VA and helping uh, those uh, across the country who desperately need that help. How do you make this a competitive job though, something with adequate pay and also the, the reputation and the pride that could come with taking a job like the, this? The bill again puts additional resources. We both have been uh, what uh, uh, appropriators on the committee that appropriates for the Department of Veterans Affairs. Uh, and as, as John indicated, we're increasing the funding at the Department of Veterans Affairs. It's one of the uh, fastest growing uh, expenditures that we have. Uh, and it's the, but you have to attract professionals and this is a profession that doesn't adequately compensate to bring people to the profession. The challenges are great. The rewards, I think, could be tremendous. But more money is, you know, we say that often as kind of a trite expression, more money is not the answer to everything. That's true. <laughs> but in this case, additional resources so that salaries and compensation can Im be improved for those professionals within the VA and to add to the number of, of uh, professionals that, uh, that qualify to work there. Uh, the thing about the VA committee is that Jerry's talking points are the same as mine. Mm -hmm. there's, no, there's nothing partisan about this. And the fact is, is uh, he's absolutely right. We have carried bills in the past and we have carried bills right now that makes it so the VA is competitive with the private sector. If they utilize those tools that Congress has given them, I'm talking about the VA, they can get folks in. I just want to address one more issue that's pretty cool with our bill. And Phillips just put a pod in Eureka, Montana, which is in the northeast quarter. It is a remote part of the state. And it's a pod, so and it's, in a, it's an American Legion Hall or a VFW Hall. And if a veteran has got some issues, they can go in the pod. Don't know if they're checking their blood pressure or talking to a telehealth professional on the other end of the, of the line with mental health. Um, but, but I think this you is one of- You say a pod, so it's a private space. Just a private space. It's probably, in fact, it's no bigger than this stage, half of this stage. And, and quite frankly, it allows that veteran to go in and talk to a professional on the other end of the line, which I've talked to folks that have utilized it. They feel more comfortable in that condition than they do eyeball to eyeball with a, with a psychiatrist. And, and get maybe, hopefully, get some of the things squared away that they're having problems with. And so I just think this, this could be a model. I don't so, know that so is it that will being be. done other places as yeah, well? Yeah, and it's in the bill, and it can be done in other places. This is kind of a pilot project that Phillips had done to try to see how it works. Look, they've got, they've got grander ideas than this. I mean, they will hopefully get it spread throughout the VA if it works, and then hopefully throughout rural America. But the bottom line is, is that, that I think this is an opportunity to help some of the staffing shortages we have. And we, have a, we don't have enough mental health providers in any area. Senator Moran is exactly correct. We ought to be using every tool that's out there, whether it's marriage, family and marriage counselors or whatever, because the bottom line, when these folks get in crisis, somebody needs to help them. Otherwise, they're going to do something bad, potentially. So the bipartisan... Can I, can I make one, oh, sure, go one ahead, more Senator. point on this? 
we, we may talk in, in this conversation about uh, choice, about Mission Act, community care. There's a mental health component to the Mission Act. There's a community, there should be a greater community care, a, a mental health component to all <coughs> community care. But for example, in, in the state of Kansas, we have community mental health centers where there are uh, occasionally a psychiatrist, but often a psychologist, social workers, they provide mental health services to Kansans generally. For a decade, I've been trying to convince the VA to contract with those community mental health centers to utilize those professionals to care for veterans who live a long distance. I, I, the congressional district, when I was a House member that I represent, is about the same size as Illinois. There is no VA hospital. Can we use the community providers that already exist in rural America to meet the needs. And so while we talk about a shortage of professionals, no doubt about it, but we still have to convince the VA under their community care programs, under what was used to be choice, what's now mission, to contract with, to allow the, the in this sense, the private sector, and these it's actually public agencies, mm -hmm. uh, public entities that are providing mental health services to Kansans, use them to meet veterans' needs as well. So this is interesting because this is a question of the you know, public access, like getting something that's provided by the state or by a county. But when we talk about privatization, are you concerned, Senator Tester, about this fear of privatizing the VA? And the more you pull out the resources from the VA itself, the more y you could you know, see it fall apart. I, uh, I am, and, uh, but, but the truth of the matter is there are some areas that the VA can't economically provide the service, and many of those areas are in rural America. What I believe is, and this is what I do as, uh, as, as a representative or a senator in Montana, is make sure that the veterans are driving a bus. Uh, I can count on this hand how many veterans have come up to me and said, we don't like VA health care once they get through the door, okay? Um, and so if the veterans want VA facilities, which is that's what I hear, that's what we'll do. But in cases like Eureka, Montana, where it's a couple hundred mile drive to a to a VA facility or longer in wintertime when the roads are bad, it makes much more sense if that veteran so chooses to go right there to the local hospital or local healthcare facility. And that's really where the Mission Act kicks in and where we can, I think, not only save taxpayer dollars, but let the veteran drive the bus. If they wanted to get it in the, in, the, in the local area, they can. Let me give you an example. This August, when we were home on break, I got a call from a guy in Aver, Montana. He said, I've had a heart condition for three years. I want to thank you because you fixed it. I didn't fix it. The Mission Act was implemented, and the Mission Act fixed it because he got his heart fixed locally. The VA didn't have the people in Montana to be able to do the, do the procedure. And so that's a, that's a victory, and that's a victory for the Mission Act, and it talks about exactly what Jerry talked about, about people getting access. But as far as taking away from the VA, we need to build capacity within the VA because I think the veterans like the VA, and the veterans need to be the ones driving the bus. So give us an update on where your uh, mental health care bill is. Of course, the one that we learned about uh, named for uh, Commander Hannon. You guys got it out of committee. Where is it? No, actually, uh, we're going to be taking it up in committee after the first of the year. Excuse me. Uh, if, if the Republican leadership does their job, Senator uh, Moran will be the chairman of the committee after the first of the year. We're going to miss Johnny Isaacson, but Jerry will do a great job in that capacity, and we will take that bill up, hopefully, at the, at, at the chairman's uh, request. This, this will be the last moment that John Tester pays me any deference. <laughs> uh, it, it, it will not last. Uh, but John is correct. Um, first of all, I, I would, would say I'm filling in today for Johnny Isaacson, and 
Uh, we appreciate his leadership in the committee and his uh, service to the United States Senate and to his constituents. And he's, of course, retiring. In Georgia. He's retiring. He's the chairman the of the committee. And he's the chairman of the committee. Um, you're the next in line. Th that is you're, true. You're, so, so the expectation by many watchers is that you would be at the helm of that committee. I've been on the Veterans Committee. I've, I've served in Congress 14 years in the House, eight years in the Senate. I've been a member of the Veterans Committee since I came to Congress. I chaired the health care subcommittee uh, in the House uh, for a long number of years. Uh, and I'm not a veteran. I care about these issues greatly. I'm a product of uh, the end of the Vietnam War. I graduated from high school as Vietnam had come to a conclusion if it ever came to a conclusion, but the war was presumably over. Uh, and I saw how my, not my high school classmates, but those I went to high school with that were a year or two older than me, how they were treated when they returned home. And I just made a commitment to myself as a 16-year-old kid that I'm going to do everything I can to respect those who served our country. I never envisioned being a United States Senator, and I think my responsibilities, I know my responsibilities have now grown to do more than just respect people. It's to make sure that we work together, uh, Senator Tester and all of us, to, uh, to make sure the promises that we made to those who served are kept, that they're cared for and respected and loved. And so we have a, a, an opportunity. This legislation will, will we certainly, uh, my interest in mental health and suicide prevention is huge. It will be a priority of the committee, uh, and we'll work to see that legislation occurs. I would mention that there's uh, in addition to the Mission Act, which I think can be of help in regard to providing care, and so uh, an issue for, the, for us in Congress needs to be the implementation. How is the VA doing as it implements this major piece of legislation, the Mission Act? Mm -hmm. But a couple other things. Uh, I mean, one, for example, is 988. Uh, there's legislation pending for a national suicide hotline uh, with, a, with a dedicated VA uh, line that's included in that. Uh, today, you have to dial a 10-digit number to get uh, the, the attention of, of somebody who will help prevent you from committing suicide. The legislation is, uh, is requiring the FCC to, to dedicate, like we have, 911, now a number 988 for those uh, who are contemplating or know someone who's contemplating suicide. Again, it, the, the Veterans Committee, uh, I think, will take a lead on these issues. But there's another number of other aspects within Congress that we can work to address suicide generally that would be of great help to veterans. Uh, it sounds like you are ready for this gentleman to take the chairmanship once Senator Isaacson retires. Look, there's great people on the Veterans Affairs Committee, and of course, Jerry's my choice. But no, the truth is, is that uh, I just want to step back. Johnny Isaacson has really set the standard uh, on, on the VA committee. He has been an incredible friend and a, an incredible senator to work with. He's depoliticized every issue down the line. Uh, Jerry Moran has been a good friend since he got into the Senate, and I look forward to Jerry. Uh, if the leadership chooses him as chairman, I look forward to working with him. So I mean, this is an issue that you've been able to work across the aisle on. Yes. And, and I want to point out that the, that the bill that you're working on, the mental health care bill, has aspects that are sort of hallmarks of what a Democrat might like and what a Republican might like, um, and it all comes together in, in one bill. How do you get this now through its next paces? I mean, do you have expectations that you'll be able to continue the bipartisan wave of this and the other legislation that President Trump signed into law last year to, to get bills like this in a time when so much is, is really fractured on Capitol Hill? I think this is the arena. I mean, the, the number of arenas, I remember we used to say, uh, when I was a House member, we, we talked about how the House Agriculture Committee, of which I was a member of, is one of the last places in which things are still uh, bipartisan. 
all those things are hard to keep to, to remain true. We are veterans is one of the places in which the, the partisanship has been significantly less. And I think that's true, not just in the committee, but on the Senate floor. So if, as the committee, we, we want to get, certainly Senator Tester has taken a lead in, in this Hannon Mental Health Act. Uh, but we want to make certain that our colleagues have input too. Almost every member of the Veterans Committee has, has indicated or has introduced bills or have talked about issues related to suicide, issues related to mental health. We want to make sure that while we think the bill that we've introduced is, is, uh, is good, we want to make sure it's comprehensive, that we haven't missed anything, and we want to encourage, we, we would welcome the input of our colleagues, and I think we can accomplish that. Once the committee approves a bill, uh, this bill, uh, I would guess it's uh, you know, nearly unanimous in the committee, if not uh, totally. I think it's a bill that can work its way across the Senate floor, despite all the challenges we have with other things that compete for Senate floor time. You know, one thing I want to point out about this bill, and, and it was named obviously for Commander Hannon, who we learned a little bit about, it, it talks about investing in innovative and alternative treatments, something you mentioned, Senator Moran, at the beginning. And Commander Hannon was someone who loved nature. He, as he retired him from, from, as a Navy SEAL and went to Montana, he got involved in getting veterans out to nature. He was involved in like raptor rescues and, and, and wildlife rescues. Senator Tester, how do you see that as a component? here and how do you convince members of Congress that this is this is for real and this isn't like wishy-washy feel-good stuff there's been some stuff done uh, I'm sure around the country but certainly in Montana uh, on things that you wouldn't really think could be effective but is incredibly effective fly fishing for example there's a number of groups out there that take veterans out fly fishing I'm not a big fly fisherman because I don't have the skills to do it but I went out with them one day it was absolutely the most amazing peaceful experience that I've had in my lifetime. It was just amazing. So this stuff that's outside the box stuff, I think it works. I think working with horses works, equine therapy. I think that, that, that yoga therapy, as you can tell by my body, I'm not big into yoga, but the truth is I think it can work. And, 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 and in and the And is there end, a role for the federal government? I mean, I know groups that well, take hunters up to Alaska, but they're like nonprofits, they fundraise. The role here is none of this stuff is free. It all costs money. And, and, and as Jerry talked about at the beginning, we have an obligation to our veterans. You put forth the statistics. What we've been doing hasn't been working to the point where it needs to work. So we need to think outside the box. And I think the Commander John Scott Hannon bill does exactly that. It gives other tools, more tools for the VA to utilize. And you know, if this bill saves one life, it's well worth it. And I think it's gonna save more, far more than that. A point that uh, two of you are, are that I, I'd like to highlight is that we need uh, perhaps the most effective, I mean, I'll, I'll be more cautious, one of the most effective tools is community programs, private organizations, veterans helping other veterans. We need to in continue to encourage. Encourage that, how? Encourage, in, in, I mean, for example, um, you mentioned agriculture. We have a, the appropriations process a couple years ago created a grant program at USDA, not at the VA, but at the Department of Agriculture. And we have a handful of programs across the country in which, which private organizations have teamed up to, to create a farm environment, to teach uh, soldiers who have returned to the United States how to, how to produce agriculture, how to produce livestock and crops. It is a, I mean, it's a, it's a combination because we, uh, the, the average age of a farmer is, is, is increasing dramatically. Um, we need new farmers. At the same time, those who return from war need new careers. The combination of those two things can be very effective, and it's a it's a private not-for-profit corporation who does that um, in Kansas, but it's also a, a, they're accommodated by federal resources, taxpayer dollars. 
So it is a combination. Yeah, one thing I want to make sure we talk about are women veterans, uh, because there are concerns. They do have a higher suicide rate than the general populace of women. What are you two talking about in terms of mental health, as well as general health care for women veterans, of which we have so many more now? Well, there's another bill uh, called the Deborah Sampson bill that uh, is going to uh, do some positive things, I think, for women veterans, uh, because they are their rate of suicide is rising incredibly high. But it it's talks about having uh, women providers within clinics, talks about uh, privacy issues, because quite frankly, this is a different military than we had 30 years ago. And, and I think that we will continue to address uh, the women's military and women's veterans needs. Uh, we need to get Deborah Sampson, of course, done. It's a bill that Senator Bozeman, Senator out of Arkansas, and myself have, and I think it's, it's a good bill. And with the chairman's blessings, we can hopefully take that up next year, too. You know, two of you sent a letter in August to the VA secretary about an inspector general report focused on the improper rejection of, rejection of payments, and this is a big concern um, that, that a lot of people have voiced, especially as we look to privatizing and how do you make sure that payments are, are going through and that veterans are, are, are getting the care they need. Have you gotten a response? Where are things at? Um, we have not had a response. I would tell you that my uh, focus in veterans' issues is driven by what we call casework. The person I meet on the street or calls my office or sends me a letter or an email uh, that's had a problem at the Department of Veterans Affairs. Um, and this is, I mean, part of all of this, how do we reduce the number of uh, suicide? How do we better take care of, of female veterans? Each one of these issues, how do we provide greater care across the spectrum? Each one of these issues requires a VA that is efficient, effective, dedicated, uh, less bureaucratic. Uh, and so part of the, the committee's opportunity and responsibility is to provide oversight uh, to the Department of Veterans Affairs, to encourage, but also to make certain that the fewer veterans fall through the cracks. I mean, this is that issue, though, if you get private care somewhere and then you need to get reimbursed. The, the, I, I think we're actually, I mean, Mission Act, its implementation is, is taking place. I think we will be in a better position with the VA's implementation. The, the law, Mission Act, changed the way that uh, healthcare providers in the private community were compensated by reducing, it used to be that uh, third-party administrators were involved in the payment process. So now this is a, a, an issue between the VA and the provider, not the VA, the third-party administrator and the provider, so taking one piece of bureaucracy out of the path. We've increased the compensation, particularly for rural health care providers under Mission Act, so that they get compensated in a way that covers their costs. We're moving in the right direction. We need to make sure that the VA in its implementation and in its bureaucratic payment system gets caught up with today's, and technology has a lot to do with that, but it also takes leadership that insists the right thing be done. Let's get you in on this. Look, the, I think that the Choice Act was a, was a train wreck, and it was for those very reasons you talked about of providers not getting payment. If they don't get paid, they're not going to provide the services. Mm -hmm. I think the Mission Act, although not perfect, is a giant step forward. But one of the problems we're having in Montana, and I think across the country, is the providers that had experience with the Choice Program are going, geez, I don't know if we want to get involved in this mission program. It's a VA program. But the truth is, is we've got to we've got to break that down so they can do it. And the VA, 
we need to hold them accountable so that those payments are made through those third-party providers. And I think it's working much, much, much better than it ever was in the Choice Act. And I think part of it is, is we gave them a year to bring Mission Act up to speed. I think they did a good job of doing it. It's not perfect. I've got plenty of complaints about the caregiver component. But the truth is, this one about the payments, mm -hmm. I think, are, is exponentially better than it was. That doesn't mean that all the problems have gone away. But you haven't gotten a continue. response from the VA secretary. What's you, that now? You got, you got, have you gotten a response from the VA secretary? We, we have not gotten a response from the VA secretary, but I can tell you this. I get a response from the providers in the state of Montana, the same way Jerry talked about casework. Those complaints have gone down. Are there still some out there? There are but they've gone down exponentially. All right. we, we think about the, these issues in, in regard to veterans, which absolutely, I mean, we, that's who we're caring for. But in order to get that care delivered, the providers have to be bought into the system as well. Right. And all the challenges, mostly bureaucratic and slow payment and low payment, um, healthcare providers in Kansas and Montana, particularly rural, but generally across the state, whatever location, suburban, urban, or rural, most of them are hanging on by a thread uh, they are struggling for their own financial uh, well-being, and if we don't do this right, uh, I actually think that Mission Act can be helpful to keeping hospital doors open in a rural community, because just like our small towns, their school needs every student, their hospital needs every patient. And again, I'm, I, I, I don't disagree with what John had to say about the value of the VA, and we want it as a hospital system, a healthcare delivery system, to function well institutionally in red brick buildings in Wichita, in Leavenworth, and in Topeka. Uh, this is an aspect of taking care of veterans who aren't able easily to access that care. And in doing so, in, in providing care at home, we're also improving the ability for that hometown health care delivery system to have a better future. We'll have to leave it there. Senator Moran, Senator Tester, thank you so much. And thank I'll you. now turn things over to my colleague, Alex Horton. Thank Thanks. you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.